Support for today's podcast comes from CBDMD. Getting a good night's sleep can be much easier said than done, but don't worry because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to help you unwind and sleep harder than all-star voters slept on De'Aaron Fox. Sleep PM bath salts fuse superior CBD and melatonin with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience and give you the relaxation you desperately deserve. To make it even easier to relax, regroup and recharge they're offering all of our listeners 25% off of your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout again that's cbdmd.com promo code NBA for 25% off of your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD you are locked on Kings your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings part of the locked on podcast network your team every day And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Man, have I got a treat of a podcast for you here today. My friend and Sacramento Kings insider for NBC Sports, James Hamm, stops by and we talk about everything. The possibility of the Kings trading Harrison Barnes and why James feels it's not the right decision unless you're getting proper value back. The possibility of trading Buddy Heald, whether or not there's a market for Buddy. The possibility of trading Marvin Bagley, how aggressive the Kings should be. Not to mention whether or not it's a good idea to sacrifice veteran talent to try for a top pick in this upcoming draft, as good as it may be, to then put out a roster of largely 20 to 24-year-olds next season. It's a long conversation, but it's a good one, and you're going to want to hear every second on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. You're probably looking at the timestamp of this podcast and going, Whoa, this is a long one. You're going to want to listen to every single bit of it. Such great conversation with James Ham. Anytime we can have him here on Locked on Kings, it's must-listen content. I'm not going to waste any more time. Here it is, my conversation with the Sacramento Kings insider himself, one James Ham. It's always a treat when we can have James Ham, Sacramento Kings insider for NBC on the Locked On Kings podcast. James, always kind with his time to appear here on Locked On Kings. And we got plenty to talk about today with all these Sacramento Kings trade rumors or maybe lack of rumors heading up to the trade deadline on the 25th. And James, right before we started this, we were looking at the calendar. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the game that never was, Kings and Pelicans inside the Golden one center it's pretty incredible that it's been a year my friend how are you i'm good man uh it is weird that it's been a year and you know i think we're at that point where if if you're struggling out there just know that everyone is struggling that uh the year mark is kind of that moment where uh we're all wear, wearing this a little bit this locked in our house you know hiding away type deal and so i know a lot of people are struggling right now just because it's starting to feel like you know when will it end so it will end, people. It will end. Um, but yeah, a year ago, man, I, one of the strangest nights in my career for sure, uh, and just played into a year of probably the strangest year of anyone's life. And yeah, not it, to, it, it's interesting. 
not to spend too much time on this because we got plenty of trade stuff to talk about, but I remember driving to the arena that night, James, and we were hearing all this speculation of, okay, this could this would probably be the last Kings game with fans, at least for the time being, uh, but the season was going to carry on. And I remember driving in, hearing that, going, okay, that's a bummer, but at least we're going to get this potential like mini playoff matchup between the Kings and Pelicans, who are both jockeying for uh, eighth seed playoff positioning at the time. I remember driving in going hey I'm just going to enjoy this night enjoy this game if it's last one with fans for a while oh well but I never expected it to be the length of a, a year later we're still talking about this with no fans in attendance yeah it, it was weird Matt I'll tell you um, I had read articles leading up to that game and I had actually that weekend was really strange for me I had gone to Portland on uh, the Kings played on I think Saturday but I flew up on Friday. I have a friend in Portland that I went to high school with and I met up for dinner with him and his wife and his little boy. Um, so I hung out with, and my buddy, he works all week in Seattle and Seattle is like, at that point, it's the epicenter. So he comes back, we go out to dinner again. No one, there was like 15 positive cases in the U S at that point. There was, it was like so few people at that point. Um, but then I, I went to the Portland game. So I'm in a building with 18,000 people. Then I fly home, get off the plane, and go straight to the arena on Sunday morning for the Kings and I think it was the Raptors. And so basically, in the span of a couple of days, I had been on two giant tubes filled with people in the air. Wow. Uh, I had been in two arenas filled with probably a total of 35 or 38,000 people uh, and two completely different sets of people. And then we play out to that game, which I think, I think it was on a Wednesday. And uh, again, I had read a couple of, um, they weren't even extreme, but they were articles that kind of did the math of it. And so it was a topic of discussion coming into that day. We were all sitting in the media room, uh, having discussions, we're having dinner, having discussions about it. And then it started to unfold, Matt. Mm -hmm. And I was up on our set. I remember it started. Uh, it started to unfold with the game in Utah and like what's going to happen. And at that point, fans had just been led in the building. And I looked over and we have this sweet lady that, that mans the top of the stairs right next to the set and make sure that no one gets into the set, but also who checks tickets. And, and I look over and she is touching people's tickets and touching people's cell phones and looking at their stuff. and, And, directing people and people are right next to her and like within inches of her, like while she's sitting there trying to lead them to their seats. And I walked over, uh, I had extra hand sanitizer in my pocket. uh, And I said, take my hand sanitizer. I want you to step back behind the rails of the set. I want you to be in our bubble and do not touch any more people's stuff. I said, this thing is coming undone right now. The Utah game was just, they had just pulled all the players off the court. And then I'm like, I'm going to be back, but do not touch anybody. Just have people show you their stuff from a couple of feet away and direct them. But this is scary stuff and we don't know what's going to happen. So then I hoofed it down to the court Mm -hmm. and I joined Sam Amick in the corner and we are standing there. We're watching the Kings on the court, but the Pelicans hadn't come out yet. Yep. And we're looking down the tunnel and then we see one of the guys from the Pelicans lean out the door and kind of give the, the hand across the throat thing, like not, 
not like slit the throat, but like, hey, we're done, like wave it off. And that's when we started to hear that the referee that was calling that game had been at the game two nights before. So yeah, it was just weird. Um, We had to instantly shift into like full on reporter mode, not sports reporter mode uh, and start, you know, going on live hits, me and Katie Christensen. And then, uh, you know, the, the broadcast team, I think it was, it was Doug and, and Grant, uh, you know, trying to keep people informed about what was happening and what might happen. Um, the whole situation was just crazy. The Kings standing around, like, why are we not playing? Um, they were ready. Uh, and, and it's just a moment lost in time, really. And, and it's a moment that really changed the entire direction of the Sacramento Kings franchise. And then the confusion afterwards, too, when I think it was it was Scott Moak that made the announcement, and then Lonzo Ball and somebody else from the Pelicans came out to get shots up. And there yep. was confusion again of, are wait, are they coming back? Have they changed their mind? And then I remember before this is in the, the hours, couple hours lead up before the game started, just being down on the court like we normally would be, just watching warm-ups and conversating with different people. And I was sitting in, mm-hmm. in some of the seats next to the Kings bench and Bobby Jackson and, and a, a, a couple other Kings coaches and a Kings player uh, were sitting there and we're all just on our phones looking at this. And I, I, I think it was the we started hearing stuff about the Utah Jazz game. It, the cancellation hadn't happened yet, um, or they weren't pulling players off the court yet, but we started hearing rumors of positive tests and things like that. Uh, and I, I turned my my phone towards um, Bobby Jackson, and I told him, hey, man, look at this. This is this is pretty crazy what is going on uh, over in, uh, in Utah and what's happening here. And it just unraveled from that point. And then you talk about being down in the media room, everybody talking. We found out the referee was involved, and it was just a downward spiral from there. Yeah, it's just totally wild. And then again, you're just – from that moment on, it was just over and we didn't know what was next. And I think that was probably the most startling thing. It was just over. And and then we waited months, right? You know, I I had podcasts with players um, in the preceding, uh, what was it? Two and a half months before they started to gear back up for the bubble. Um, You know, I'm talking to Bogdanovich and, and to Harrison Barnes, both of them and Rashawn Holmes. I remember I, all three of those guys, um, they were all waiting for basketball hoops to come in the mail from Amazon hmm. and still hadn't had a basketball hoop delivered to their house. And you got to remember at that point, people forget like Amazon had shifted to where they only started sending essentials because of, they were overrun. And so they were only, they, they stopped sending like your basic stuff, or if you were going to get it, it, it was like two weeks out. Yep. Um, and so like, uh, Bogdanovich was going next door to his neighbor's house and shooting on a portable hoop. And Harrison Barnes told me he hadn't touched the ball. Well, he hadn't shot at a basket in like two months at that point. You know, they weren't allowed in the practice facility. They, it was just, again, just the strangest time. Um, we'll go back and we'll rehash this a million times as the years go by. Just, you know, the events of that day and, and of those weeks that led afterwards. But again, you know, if, if the season didn't end the Sacramento Kings likely would have broken their, their playoff streak. I'll tell people that like the, the numbers uh, there was no way that, that the Grizzlies were going to hold on. They had the most brutal schedule in the NBA down the stretch. They had no chance of fending off the teams that were coming and the Kings were, were on a roll. They were absolutely playing uh, some of the best basketball that they played in years. And, uh, and then when it ends, you know, 
come back to the bubble and there are too many things that happened leading up to the bubble for them to be successful. They really just flopped in the bubble. Uh, but you got to remember that four, four players tested positive leading into the bubble. And then Rajon Holmes got locked in his hotel room for 10 days. Hmm. Uh, those things matter. You know, uh, if you don't have your starting center working out with the team and, and preparing for the games ahead, you're in trouble, you know, and they had all, you know, Barnes and Buddy and Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker all test positive. So just like the way that it all played out. And then, you know, when they, they lose in the bubble, Vladi gets fired, Bogdanovich doesn't get resigned. You know, it really, it snowballed from there. It changed the entire direction of this franchise, which, you know, put probably puts us in the conversation of where we're at, we're heading right now. And thankfully, we are back now to a, a as close to normal uh, normalcy if, a, as we can be with the trade deadline coming up. The possibility now, at least in California, with uh, on April first, uh, they're able to be fans at, at baseball games for uh, the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants, and where that could potentially lead going forward. I know the Sacramento Republic here in town are, are hopeful of having fans at, at, at their events this summer. So who knows how long it's going to be in. Until Kings fans are allowed back in the building, but as as irregular as this season is, it's it's not feeling normal. But they're trying to get as close to normal as possible, and now it's been somewhat enjoyable to get back to these normal conversations and normal concerns approaching a trade deadline. Of what does a team like the Sacramento Kings do here? They have veteran pieces that are playing well, uh, but they are not uh, trending in the right direction. They've lost 11 of 13 heading into the All-Star break. Uh, Things aren't going well. They should be obvious sellers at this trade deadline. And the biggest name that we've heard rumors around has been Harrison Barnes, who's been having arguably his best career season statistically uh, in his very successful championship career, going back to his time with the, uh, with the golden state warriors. But you appeared on the Kings Herald podcast recently, James, and that's what made me want to invite you here on locked on Kings to dive into this more deeply. I understand the value that Harrison Barnes has. He's, he's arguably the highest value piece that the Kings would be willing to move on from and potentially could get some decent pieces back from Boston or another team who's interested but you talked about on the Kings Herald, and I remember thinking about this too, replacing Harrison Barnes, that specific small forward, that wing defender shooter position, has been something that has been incredibly, incredibly difficult for the Kings over the years. Going back to all the years where John Salmons was their best guy before they got Rudy Gay. Then when Rudy Gay was gone, it was like Justin Jackson and Iman Shumpert. And then Harrison Barnes is brought in, and now Kings fans are... are open to the idea of potentially moving on from him. I worry about, as great of a return as they could potentially get for HB, I worry about him being gone and that position being vacant again for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the the issues, right? Like, it's it's easy to to hop on the trade machine and start shifting pieces and, and sending a player here or there. You know, if they were to deal with Boston, Boston has a giant trade exception. Uh, they also have all their first-round picks going forward. Um, they have a young player, like they have a bunch of young players that you could probably think about, but, uh, to me, most of them are late first round picks. They're not worth all that much. Um, the one guy that I think has some intrigue would be Aaron Neesmith. Mm -hmm. Um, just because Neesmith has, um, he has an elite skill and the ability to shoot the ball is not played well at all at the pro level. Uh, and I think there would be concerns that, you know, is he going to fit? Is he, you know, maybe he's a guy that just needs a bunch of minutes to get comfortable, uh, which of course he probably would get in Sacramento. Um, he doesn't have 
the all around game. He doesn't have, he does have some defensive potential. Um, but again, he's not a passer. He's not a rebounder. He really is like a knockdown lights out shooter. Um, and so you would have to try to work something that made sense for the Kings. Um, they would have to take back roughly $9 million to make the, uh, the dollars and cents work because Boston is right up against the, um, the luxury, uh, like the tax threshold, um, or, or they're right up against being hard capped. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can't just take Harrison Barnes for nothing. And, you know, look, I, I don't think the King should give up Harrison Barnes for nothing. Um, I get that they're in a situation where you have two players in Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes that both make really big money. Uh, you know, uh, what is Harrison's at 22 million with a de- declining scale contract it goes down to 20 uh, next season and 18 the year after that. And then Buddy Heald is in the first year of his, you know, four year depends on who you want to listen to, but it's a, the base contract is 86 million with some, uh, some ability to get some, some extra money with bonus money uh, that could put it up to 94 million or even a hundred million if he really caught fire. Um, so you have these two guys that, that are in your lineup and they make big money and you're not winning. And then next season, De'Aaron Fox's contract jumps from uh, 7 million, I think to 27 million. And so now you're going to have a third big money contract and a team that can't win. And that's the problem. It's, it's not that, you know, one guy doesn't deserve the money and this guy doesn't, it it really has come down to the fact that um, this team is not going to win enough games to compete again this season. And you can't keep throwing money down a well, which is, you know, again, why they didn't, one of the reasons why they didn't bring back Bogdanovich because the team hadn't proven that it could win. And at the end of the day, you know, do you roll back Vladi Divac's entire lineup uh, and hope for something different than what you had before? Um, so, so look, I, I don't know, Matt, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, trade him, you know, trade Barnes. That's fine. Um, I just look at all the things that Harrison Barnes does. And then I look at those people and just like the kinks can't go out and sign a free agent as good as Harrison Barnes. They can't, uh, or at least they haven't been able to in the last, I don't know, 35 years. So, so how do you replace them? And you can try to go all young. You can hope that Neesmith works out. Uh, you can try to make another trade that brings back a player. But if you look at this roster right now, it's so bare bones that, you know, you're going to lose almost every game down the stretch, which I know a lot of fans would like to do because they, they love this draft and they want to get in the top five. I get that. Um, but just nothing is guaranteed. And you just keep doing this. You just keep losing and losing and losing and building a culture of losing and, the last thing I would want is for uh, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, um, you know, whatever you consider the young core of this team to just keep losing just to lose, because that's what you're kind of doing in this situation. Nothing is guaranteed in the draft. Not one of those players outside of probably Cade Cunningham is a guaranteed all-star level player. And so that's where I just have problems. Like, look, if you're going to lose Harrison Barnes, you're losing a guy who is a league average player, uh, or a little above for 35 minutes a game and finding players that can do that. You can find 15 PER, 16 PER, 17 PER guys 
that play 18 minutes a night and, you know, are good role players, finding the guys that are a step below all-star level uh, like Barnes that can play major, major minutes, hold down the fort, play multiple positions, which is why Boston is really intrigued by him because they can, the switchability with him and Tatum, um, you know, that, that becomes like the biggest question. How do it's fine to trade him? You know, I'm not anti-trade for the Kings, but how do you replace him? And I don't mean for next season or the rest of this year. I mean, how do you replace him going forward? Because you're running out of assets. You know, people aren't going to give you Harrison Barnes for a second round pick. And people say, well, you, you got him for barely anything. Well, yeah, but that was a specific situation. And maybe that specific situation comes around again with another team that needs to lay off salary. Um, but I just... For me, I have a tough time with it because I've covered this team long enough to know that uh, that free agents and good trades don't grow on trees. And how big of a step are you willing to take back? And uh, you're still going to need veterans, regardless of how young your core is. So this isn't you're not going to see a team. The Kings do not want to have a team. I've had these conversations within the walls. They do not want to have a team that is nothing but 21, 22, 23-year-olds because they know that that means they're going to lose. They're going to lose all the time. That's not how you win in the NBA. And so that's where I kind of look at it and say, hey, where are we going with this thing? You know? Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew, making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare to ship direct so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special offer just for you Locked On Kings listeners. Try BlueChew for free when you use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Quick side street before we come back to to Harrison Barnes. You you went back to talking about the inability for the Sacramento Kings historically to be able to be a free agent destination, to attract marquee free agents. And every time a new general manager comes in, I imagine they come in with the desire to kind of change that culture. And Monty McNair... Uh, has has given us this idea that he wants to keep the the books open to be able to make an aggressive move in free agency. He more talked about potentially uh, in the trade market. So he's already aware that trades are more likely to land him a big name uh, than, than free agency is. But just from your understanding of who Monty McNair is as a GM, coming from the Houston Rockets organization who went from struggles to James Harden and, and the, the stars that they were able to attract there, 
Do you believe he's coming into Sacramento going, no, I believe that I could change the culture if I have the money available with this De'Aaron Fox-led core that I can change that and attract a a marquee name free agent? Well, it's fine to think that. I mean, I've been in in a Kings boardroom with with other media members where Vlade Divac and and Brandon Williams, uh, you know, sat down and had the same discussion like, hey, can – can the Kings bring in a top tier free agent? Can and and Brandon Williams was very forceful in saying, like, look, we can change that. We can change that perception, and we can get somebody in here. Uh, we believe, you know, if you make the right moves, that people will want to come here. And it's it's a, a nice thought. It is, but I'll tell you this: uh, if Jeff Petrie couldn't bring in mm-hmm. a superstar. Uh, then certainly Brandon Williams and Vlad, uh, Vlade Divac are not going to be able to. I mean, that's just, that's the reality. Like, look, the best franchise, the best free agent this franchise has ever had, ever, is Vlade. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at that, and, and you know who the second best free agent acquisition might be in the history of this franchise? It's Hassan Whiteside, isn't it? No, it's probably Rashawn Holmes. Oh, wow. And he's an undervalued player that developed into something better here. Right. Uh, now, you could say... Maybe Bobby Jackson uh, was a guy that they brought in, but like you can go back through the history of this team and there aren't free agents that sign here ever. And, and for that matter, like someone said, well, how come teams like, uh, like Portland and um, San Antonio and Utah, and they just kept listing all of the teams that, that uh, you know, are small market teams that the Kings should be modeling themselves after. And it's like, look outside of LaMarcus Aldridge, who is any of those teams ever signed like in the last 10 years? Like they, none of them get high in, you know, top tier free agents. They don't. So how do you do it? I mean, you have to draft. Well, the Kings don't do that. You, You have to make smart decisions. Sometimes the Kings do that, but you can't overpay your own players. The Kings have historically done that every single time they get an opportunity let's overpay let's overpay let's overpay so you have to balance out the reality of the situation and that's like look i'm not saying like harrison barnes is a franchise changing player that the kings can't live without but i'll tell you this harrison barnes at 28 years old will play at a similar level to where he is right now for the next five years he keeps himself in incredible shape he is a dude who understands the game of basketball extremely well. And he's a guy that th- it, it doesn't just have to be two years. You know, if you're bad next season, you can look at moving Harrison Barnes again. And then Harrison Barnes has one year left at 18 million bucks and he's going to be easy to move. So um, I just look at it as, you know, unless I'm getting something back that is quality, it's hard. It's hard for me to say, Hey, move on from him because I just know that that, whatever pick you get from them, if you're going to get the 16th pick or the 18th pick or heaven forbid, they keep winning and they go up to like the 21st pick. Well, you're not replacing Harrison Barnes with the 21st pick in the draft. You're not replacing him now. And that pick is not likely going to develop five years from now and be better than what Harrison Barnes is today. So tell me what you're going to get back. That makes sense outside of, we don't have to pay his salary anymore. And if that's the case, then you do everything in your power to trade the other guy who is not playing up to his potential mm-hmm. and buddy healed and find someone else to who you already have a player ready to take his spot. 
you go trade that guy if you can, even if it's a straight salary dump and you relieve that pressure off yourself in a different way. Now you have more room to move. You've got more room to breathe salary cap. The Kings are going to have plenty of cap space this summer anyways, but they've got plenty of cap space to fill up their roster with mid-level free agents because that's who signs here. And, you know, you got to find three more, four more Rashawn Holmes. And that's just not easy either. You got to find diamonds in the rough and hope that, that you develop them the right way and hope that they go from a solid veteran on a, a young veteran on a team that doesn't have an opportunity to someone who can take another step. And, you know, the Kings are going to continue to be in this cycle if, if they, they don't do that. I mean, again, one draft pick, maybe a top five pick in this draft, maybe changes your fortunes, but it changes your fortunes two, three years from now. It does not change your fortunes for now. So if we're going to, if everyone's fine with stringing this thing out to 18 years of, of no playoffs, you know, it is what it is, you know, that's where you're at. So you, I I just don't see taking a step back uh, again, unless you really do get something in return. And, you know, again, knee Smith and a first round pick that just doesn't move any needle for me at all, because that, that pick has, is going to be between 18 and 24. And that just, that's not a, a needle mover in most situations. You, you have some guys that are good, that turn out good in that area, guys like John Collins, but I would prefer to be more aggressive uh, and try to trade with somebody who's going to give you more assets. You led well into my my next question, which was going to be based off your understanding of, of Monty McNair and maybe even conversations that you have. Do you believe that Monty would much prefer to move on from from Buddy Heald and keep Harrison Barnes at this trade deadline if possible? And we've not heard much, if any, rumors around Buddy Heald at all when now we're hearing rumors, of course, around Harrison Barnes and, and even Marvin Bagley. Do you believe there is a market out there for Buddy? I believe there's some kind of market. I think you can get off of his contract. I'm not sure what you're going to bring back. And, you know, I always do have an issue with not bringing anything back, but uh, there is a point where a player's salary does make him uh, not worthy of, you know, his play on the court and his salary don't equal each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Buddy has, um, has an elite skill, like what we talked about with Neesmith. You know, he is one of the better three point shooters in the league, although he's shooting well below his career averages from the field and everything else. But Buddy is going to be in a better situation where he doesn't have to be um, where he can just shoot, you know, where he they have enough talent on the floor to space the, the court. And, I, you know, Buddy doesn't just have to shoot threes. I'm not saying that. Um, but in a situation where, you know, he's a third or fourth option on a good team. Um, that, that just rains down threes. And, you know, I, I don't know. The Kings just, to me, you're looking at two players. So if I look at Harrison Barnes and I look at Buddy Heald and you instantly think, you know, your mind tricks you in this situation thinks, oh, well, Buddy Heald is way younger. He's not. They're the same exact age. He just hasn't played in the league as long. And so while Harrison Barnes has more mileage on his body, um, he both guys are, are, are guys that take care of their bodies. But uh, but Harrison is just a dude that I think does more and I, not only more on the court, I think he does more in the locker room. I think he does more in the community. I, I you know, if I'm stacking up the two players side by side, I am taking Harrison Barnes over Buddy Hield. And 
maybe I'm crazy. And that's, it's really, it's an opinion at that point. But um, from what I know of, of the situation in SAC, like, look, the Kings aren't looking to give handouts. You know, they understand the dynamic of where they are. There's no illusion of what they can bring in. Um, so they, they do have an idea that this is going to be a difficult situation to get through and they don't want to take steps back. They, they want this team to have a down year, uh, or how Amic uh, called it a gap year, mm -hmm. uh, because there's not going to be fans in the building, but then to go from here to, to move forward from here. And, you know, I, I get why McNair didn't bring back Bogdanovich and I get why he didn't bring back. Uh, you know, Alex Lynn and Kent Bazemore, but th that's specifically because he didn't want to roll it back with Lottie's team. Um, you know, if this team would have brought just, just Bogdanovich back or just got the DiVincenzo deal to go through, they are considerably better today, maybe three games, maybe four games better than they are today, just because of their current lack of depth. And so I think that there is a way out of this thing, I just don't think it's giving away players to good teams to make them better. Any word or sense on what the Kings would like to do or plan to do with Rashawn Holmes? We don't know what his value really is. The market is probably going to have to to dictate it, but we know, like you've talked about, the Kings are the Kings of overpaying. So any idea on how aggressively the Kings would potentially either go after re-signing Rashawn Holmes or be, be willing to, to shop him if they don't plan on pursuing him at this trade deadline. And, and on top of that, how much does, I guess, Marvin Bagley's development and his potential trade availability affect that, if at all? Yeah, see, that's a, those are two separate questions to play into each other, right? Um, I, think, I think a lot of people continue to look at Marvin Bagley and think, man, I don't think he's a four. I think he's a five. Um, and if he's a five, uh, he can't block shots. So, um, you know, and, and he can't, he can't really hold his own defensively at this point. He's, he's improved greatly defensively as the season's gone on, but that, that doesn't mean he's to league average yet or even close. Um, so, so that, that becomes a, the problem, right? Um, here's how I would, you know, if, if, Marvin is a five and Rashawn is, is clearly only a five. Can those two be your, your fives, your, your two fives? And I think the answer is no, you have to have a tall guy. Um, you have to like, I'm not all in on Hassan Whiteside, but I mean, even an Alex Len gives you that size, that grit, that guy who doesn't mind punching somebody in the face, that guy who can play goalie. So how do you find minutes for everybody if those two are both your fives? Now, again, uh, the dynamic changes greatly if you trade Harrison Barnes, because all of a sudden Harrison Barnes, who's splitting his time at the four and the five, he becomes, you know, if he's gone, who, I mean, at the three and the four, who's going to play those stretch four minutes. So you can say, Oh, well, Bielitsa, well, Bielitsa is almost 33 years old and he's on the block as much as anyone on this team. Right. So, so again, now we're, how do we fill the gaping hole at the stretch four position? And people are like, oh, well, there are players that come up. Okay, Davis Berton's just signed for what, like 18 million a year or something? Something crazy. And I'll take Harrison Barnes over that guy every single day, every single time. So again, there's confusion about how those things work. So 
let's get back to your question. Your question is Rashawn Holmes. If he makes it through the deadline, I think the Kings would love to bring him back and have him uh, as their starting center going forward. Um, whether we know the value of him or not at this point, I'll just tell you this. It, it's not nearly as high as you think. Um, you know, like uh, Rashawn is, is a great player uh, for this team and he's so good in the pick and roll. But the key is for this team, the Kings understand that if they lose Rashawn Holmes, they need another Rashawn Holmes. They need somebody who does exactly what he does. They want a pick and roll guy who can play the two man game with Halliburton and Fox. You know, the fact that he can't shoot the three pointer, that doesn't matter. They would like him to be a little bit better rebounder, uh, you know, just raw numbers to go get more boards. But, um, you know, finding players like him is difficult and they cost money. And so I think it really does depend on what he's going to make, but I don't see him getting 15 million a year. I, you know, I, I think the world of Rashawn, he's a very, very good dude. Um, and I think he's played so well for the Kings. Um, you know, again, he is the diamond in the rough, the money ball player that, you know, that the A's would find uh, and, and develop and, and bring in. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think he's more of slightly above mid-level. He's going to get 10, 11 million a year, in my opinion. Maybe I'm off. Maybe someone will throw a bunch of money at him. Um, and, I, you know, I hope he gets as much money as he can. Um, but I think the Kings would be wise to look at bringing him back. And, and then, you know, I'm not saying trade Marvin Bagley. Uh, but, you know, if all things are considered, if you can get a player that fits your system better than Marvin, then I think he should. Um, you know, because, you know, clearly his, his father is, doesn't want him here in Sacramento, uh, which I don't think should be an end all be all, you know, should matter that much, but, you know, at a certain point, players play happy, if happy players play better, um, you know, in their situation, typically. Uh, so I think the Kings are open for everything at this point, And they should be outside of Fox and Halliburton. I think the Kings should be wide open and willing to look at each of these individual players and make decisions that make the team, if they can, they need to make decisions that make the team better, either now or in the near future. We can't just keep stepping back three years and saying, well, it's not my fault that we're, we're in this situation. I wasn't here two years ago. I wasn't here five years ago. Uh, that doesn't work. You know, there, Jerry Reynolds always says, anyone who tells you they have a five-year plan to rebuild an NBA team has no plan at all. And that's kind of where I'm at. You can't have a, like a three-year plan or a five-year plan to rebuild the Sacramento Kings when you're already 15 years into uh, a rebuild. That just doesn't work. Built Bar Madness is on. I've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. So it's Built Bar Madness here in the month of March. Today's matchup is a good one. German chocolate cake versus salted caramel and mocha love versus white chocolate birthday cake. So vote out of those I know I'm picking German chocolate cake and I'm picking white chocolate birthday cake, but that's just me personally. Go on to BuiltBar.com right now uh, and you can vote for your favorite. An update on the bracket so far, Apple Almond Crisp, which I voted for, lost to Churro Puff and Peanut Butter Brownie beat Raspberry. So my two bars in the opening bracket did not fare so well. 
Go to BuiltBar.com or tweet to at Built underscore Bar on Twitter to submit your vote. And remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off of your next order. That's LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar. The Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the official sports gambling partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. There's NBA, college basketball, NHL that are in a full swing, MLB baseball right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, the scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile mobile device to sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code locked on all one word l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n get off the sidelines get in on the action make some money on bet online your online sportsbook expert it would be probably a little too extreme or maybe over dramatic to to call it a failure but in your mind would you be concerned for the Kings, if we get through this trade deadline and both Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes and all their money are still on the books and still on this roster, would you be concerned by that? No, because look, I mean, there's 36 games that are going to be played out over like, like it feels like three weeks. The games come so fast yeah. and furious at this point. The NBA offseason is going to be here so quickly. And just because you couldn't move him now doesn't mean you can't move him this summer, either one of them. Like, and you got to look that they're going to have one year less, uh, less left on their contracts after this year. So, so for me, I don't think that either one of them are, um, I don't think they're unmovable. I think that, you know, you're going to take back pennies on the dollar for a guy like, uh, Buddy Heald. Um, and I, I wouldn't take back pennies for the dollar, uh, for a guy like Harrison Barnes. I just wouldn't do it. I, you know, I would prefer to, to roll with him and have him be my veteran that's working with young players and teaching young players and being a leader. Um, so yeah, Matt, you know, you can always try to revisit this again and again and again, again, there, we're going to go through this next off season um, and next trade deadline mm-hmm. in next February. Um, so I don't think that there is any panic button. Um, I just think that when I look at this team, there are some pieces here that, that I think the Kings should consider shopping heavily uh, just to collect whatever small assets they can. I think that, you know, again, like Nemanja uh, for a second round pick makes sense to me, go get something um, out of him. Cause he's a free agent at the end of the year. I also think taking the 7.2 million from Nemanja, the 6.5 from Jabari, um, the 12.6 from uh, Corey Joseph packaging those guys together and trying to find an, a team that is looking to dump a, a salary like a Buddy Heald or a Harrison Barnes. Uh, and you have all of this dead cap space, you know, the, these uh, expiring contracts. Um, plus you have like, uh, I don't even know what the number is, like eight extra second round picks over the next four drafts. So, so take some of your draft capital, your, your assets, your expiring contracts and flip the switch here you be the guy who's buying and people say, well, you're just going to find another Harrison Barnes. It's like, okay, well, what if I take expiring contracts and second round picks and turn them into another Harrison Barnes and I take Harrison Barnes and turn him into a first round pick and Aaron Neesmith. So I'm okay with that. Uh, as long as you're still finding the next Harrison Barnes to, to jump in the mix here. Uh, but I think the Kings can be active 
they can be buyers and sellers at the same time to reconfigure their roster. Uh, they can take a young player in Marvin Bagley and shop him heavily for uh, another young player that maybe fits their system better and Bagley fits the other system better. I think you can be aggressive here if you want. And hopefully that's what's going on. I know they've been on the phones for like the last two weeks, like working their butts off, trying to find uh, the right deals. And there are things that can happen here. There are also like a domino effect, like three deals that can go boom, boom, boom. Uh, But it's also possible that they, they aren't able to do very much. And then they, they end up buying out a couple of players uh, like Jabari and, and Nemanja and they move into, I, I mean, I, you're not going to buy out Nemanja because I think a, he helps you, but B I, I think there are enough teams that want him that you will be able to get something for him. Um, but then you just, you fix this thing in the off season, which was, which has kind of been the plan the whole time you walked into this season with, uh, four players on the main roster that are second round picks or undrafted players in the last two drafts. Now you have Norvell Pell, which his 10 day is probably expired by this point, but that that's five players on this, on this roster that are, uh, you know, on the bubble of being NBA players. And I think Daquan Jeffries is the one guy that has some, some real talent and we saw some good things from Robert Woodard, but we have no idea. Uh, my point is that there is no depth on this team. When you take those five players right there, you're down to a 10-man roster. Now, look at Jabari Parker. Now you're down to an out, a nine-man roster. So, like, if you didn't expect this team to lose this year, uh, I don't know what kind of craziness you were thinking was going to happen. Because no one expected Tyrese Halliburton to be this good. Right. And if he wasn't this good, just think where this team is this year. I mean, this is like a like an eight-win team. Let me... Uh, uh, Seven-win team. Let me ask... Really quick, you talked about no guarantees in the draft, which we should know very well here in Sacramento that there are no guarantees in the draft. But how would you respond to the concern of, but the Kings missed an opportunity to maximize like the value of Harrison Barnes and the good year that he's having, or if they went the route of, like you said, being both buyers and sellers, using all those expiring deals to bring in uh, another player who is like that Harrison Barnes type player. Maybe that either makes the Kings continue to tread water or makes them a little bit better, but not good enough to be in the playing in tournament, but not bad enough to get a, a top five pick like so many want here in Sacramento. How would you respond to those concerns then? Well, I would say this, if you're not in the top five, then you have absolutely no guarantee that you have a good player coming to you. Um, I think this is a super top heavy draft and I think it's a spectacular top heavy draft. Like the top end of this draft is, is nuts. I mean, again, Cade Cunningham is a generational dude. He, to me, uh, I mean, I watch him play and, and uh, I think, you know, he can do it on both ends of the court. He's, he's a stud. Um, He is a franchise changing player, but I also think Evan Mobley would fit this team so well. Uh, he's a seven footer with a seven, five wingspan absolutely can do everything block shot, shoot the three ball, take guys off the dribble, uh, lead a break. I mean, he's a next generation center. Uh, I think Kaminga, Jonathan Kaminga who played in the, for the ignite team is a stud. Uh, he again is a guy that the Kings desperately need. And, you know, he's a guy that can step in and probably play small forward for you right away and have you uh, shift um, Harrison Barnes over to the four if he's still around. Um, I think that green has like, uh, he's a dude who will, will compete for three point shootouts and slam dunk contests. He's kind of, 
what Ben McLemore you hoped would be. Um, but with the, all of the other pieces that Ben didn't have uh, to go with um, the high level skill that, that he did. So Ben came into the league as like a very good shooter and a highlight real dunker. But the problem is he couldn't get from point A to point B. Um, and I think green has those skills. And then the other guy is Suggs, who's just a stud. I mean, that guy is just, he's going to step in and be like a, a point guard or a, you know, off guard for a team. He reminds me a little bit of Brandon Roy. So like, look again, Matt, if you can land in the top five, that's fine. The problem that I have is there are no guarantees, especially with the new way that the, the league processes uh, the draft. Like if you're the six pick, you got a 30% land, chance of landing in the top three, but you can also fall to six, seven, eight. Right. Like it, it, nothing is guaranteed unless you're the worst team in the league, which the Minnesota Timberwolves have cornered the market on being the worst team in the league and will continue to be the worst team in the league going forward. Um, unless you're that team, then the chance of you landing in the top five is, isn't guaranteed. And are you going to just throw away another year of everyone's career, write it off as a quote unquote development year where you only have three players that are truly developing um, on that are young and, and still taking their steps. So are you willing to do that? And I mean, the Kings are already there. So probably that's probably where we're headed here. Um, But at the same time, like, look, outside of that i don't think that there's there's going to be a game changer uh or two between six and 20 um we just don't know who that is and the chance of the kings finding that guy magically is it's a needle in a haystack that we've seen that you know how many drafts do i have to go through to tell you the mistakes they've made and i know it's not Monty, uh and i know that he landed tyrese halliburton but that whole situation was strange anyways halliburton should have gone in the top five fell in his lap yeah, he, he, well, I'm not going to say he fell in his lap. It, part of it was orchestrated, right? The agent and it, it, part of it was orchestrated. So he fell to the Kings because they wanted him to come to the Kings. And so I'm not going to discredit that. But if Monty McNair would have moved up to number five and selected Tyrese Halliburton, then I give him all the props in the world. Then you're the guy who went up and grabbed the dude who's a stud. Um, but at this point, like, maybe a little bit of he fell in your lap, but also there's this weird whole, you know, orchestrated thing. Um, but you can't guarantee that he's going to find another Tyrese Halliburton. And you also can't like guarantee that he's going to somehow orchestrate a player dropping to him at number eight. So he can have the guy that he wants. So, you know, again, like I would desire Williams. I, I'm not, I'm not excited about, uh, many of these guys, you know, Jaron uh, Johnson from Duke, who, you know, is going to slide down draft boards. Uh, you know, book night is, is a nice piece uh, and could fit with the Kings if Buddy Hield wasn't there. But again, you have two guards, like there is no guarantee at all. And even at number 18 or, or 19 or 20, this draft is like, after you get past the top five is like every other draft that we've seen over the last two decades there, there's a bunch of maybes, and then are, are you willing to, to blow seasons away and say, well, you know, well, at least we got the 18th pick in the draft who could end up being Malachi Richardson, or he could end up being John Collins. Uh, you know, if that's what you're getting for Harrison Barnes, I have a tough time with it. 
It's important to note, too, that on top of the Kings coverage that you provide, you also provide uh, mock drafts every single year leading up to the draft. And with the excitement around this draft, I'm sure that that coverage will continue and then some. So make sure, listeners, you're checking out all the mock drafts that uh, James Hamm puts out for NBC Sports. Really rivals uh, like Sam Vecini and his uh, his mock drafts over at The Athletic. So we'll definitely have you back on as the draft gets closer to talk about that more specifically. Hopefully we'll have a better idea of where the Kings are going to be. But we'll wrap up with this, James, going back to Harrison Barnes. I had a conversation with John Corrales, who's the host of the Locked on Celtics podcast, but also a writer for the uh, Boston Sports Journal. And when we were initially talking about the interest uh, in Harrison Barnes in Boston, this was a couple weeks ago, I brought up the possibility of the Kings potentially getting two young assets. Now, I'm not sure how the money would work out, but potentially getting two young assets from Boston, like a Neesmith and Romeo Langford, as well as a, a, a first-round pick in a package for um, for Harrison and maybe another player. And John's initial reaction to that was, I don't think the Celtics want to give up two young players. They'd be willing to let the Kings take their pick out of the two, but not both of them. I'll ask you, if getting both of those players was an option, does that make it better for your mind, make you more willing to move on from Harrison Barnes? Or do you you want the Kings to be even more aggressive to push for a young player and potentially a, a veteran win-now type player that maybe won't completely replace Harrison, but can pick up some of the load he will leave behind? Yeah, that's such a difficult question, Matt, because I look at the young players that they have on their roster, and let's be honest, if they uh, if they were performing well, they wouldn't be up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these guys, like uh, I'll say this, Matt, draft picks are like going to a car lot and buying a brand new car. You know, the second you drive off the lot, the car just lost 30% of its value. Yep. You know that the, for, the, for the first two years, you're going to be paying for a car that's in the red, that that's in the negative, that you've already lost money on. And so when I look at their draft picks, uh, Langford was what the 14th pick in the draft. Um, he's played like a handful of games. Like he hasn't shown anything. Has he even he hasn't even played the season, right? So um, I, I just have a tough time. Like I don't think like Boston could say, "Oh, we have assets." Oh, really? Y- you have assets? Okay. Well, if they were real assets, you would be playing them. And, and you and I know they're a good team, so that might not be totally fair. Uh, but at the same time, like look they don't have some like sneaky, unbelievable, you know, they got, you know, guys that can fill a little bit of a goal, uh, uh, you know, a, fill a little bit of a hole. But like, if you took Rashawn Holmes and gave him to, to that team, it, they would improve like tremendously. Yep. They need, they need him. They need Harrison Barnes. That, that team has all kinds of holes and they've got a bunch of guys that they keep spending, you know, the 24th pick or the 22nd pick every year they have three picks in the first round. Most of them are late in the first round. And every year it's like, man, when is Danny Ainge going to package him and move up? He never does. So he ends up with a bunch of young players that can you distinguish any of those young players from the second round picks that the Kings have? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe Peyton Pritchard, but you know, again, like if you're, if you want Harrison Barnes, we need something in return. And it can't be the promise of something that clearly hasn't worked out for you, mm. you know? And again, like I like Neesmith. I liked him going into the draft. I thought the Kings might draft a guy like Neesmith specifically if this weird tumble thing didn't happen in the draft. And, and if the Phoenix Suns didn't make like the biggest gaffe ever, man, that talk about a team that can't draft. <laughs> I mean, they passed on Halliburton 
uh, at number 10 and they could have had, or Devin Vassell at number 10, they could have had Halliburton training behind Chris Paul and being their third guard for the next two years. And then you would have had your, your backcourt again with Halliburton and Devin Booker. While still just being crazy. a number two seed. Yeah. Just incredible what, how these things have worked out. But again, like, I don't think that there's anything that's telling me that Neesmith is a guarantee mm. and his play certainly this year has not said he's a guaranteed lock to be good. But I certainly think if Buddy Heald was gone, Neesmith would have more value to the Kings because of his ability to shoot the three. Um, and, but you know, if you're just trading Harrison Barnes, that's, that's not getting rid of Buddy Heald as well. And, and again, we can, we can keep going around in circles here. I just, I just think that Boston would have to give up more and that could be another future first pick. Uh, it could, so two future first, uh, because Harrison is under contract for two and a half years. So you're not buying a rental. Um, but if not, I, I want Neesmith, Smith. I want Peyton Pritchard. I want someone who can actually step on the court and eat some minutes right now and actually has some potential to grow into something better. And, and I'm not sure that, that even that is, is worth the step back the Kings will take, but maybe I'm wrong. It'll be another fun test for first-time GM Monty McNair, and as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, whatever happens, James Ham will always be on top of it. James, I appreciate you taking the time to come back on Locked on Kings. I can't wait uh, till we can do it again. Appreciate all the coverage that uh, you provide. Keep up the fantastic work, and then uh, if something crazy does go down, we might have to get you back in the very near future to, to talk about it and break it all down, so I appreciate you taking the time. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. Wow, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, a bunch of stuff to respond to. I know you have thoughts, comments, concerns, ideas, trade proposals. Send them to me, at Matt George Radio on Twitter. You can also email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. Share your thoughts on the possibility of keeping Harrison Barnes instead of trading him. Share me your thoughts on Buddy Heald's trade market value, the possibility of trading Marvin Bagley, anything that James suggested. Let me know, again, at Matt George Radio on Twitter or email me at mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. It was a long podcast, but you got through it. I hope you enjoyed it. We have another great guest coming for you on tomorrow's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast, a first-time guest here on Locked On Kings, Kyle Draper, Sacramento Kings TV host and play-by-play voice. He will be joining me on tomorrow's podcast. He'll also be able to provide some unique perspective on the Boston Celtics situation, their potential interest on Harrison Barnes as Kyle worked covering the Boston Celtics for many, many years. Can't wait for that conversation. I hope you will join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.